Welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Metal RPG, episode number 55. I'm your host, Adam Sink, with me post-con season. It's my good friend, Brendan Carrion. What's up, Brendan? Not sick, dude. Did not get sick at con. We did not get con crud. We did not do it. We passed our fortitude checks, our constitution saves. I do this thing before Gen Con where I start crushing multivites like a week before and I supplement with a ton of vitamin C, and then I do it for another week after. Good to go, buddy. Sweet. Good to go. I'm just thinking I'm going to do the mask, the breathing mask, and then just coat my hand in a layer of um, that gel, the antibacterial gel. Oh, yeah? I think that's going to work? Yeah, and then when I shake people's hands, it'll be nice and slimy and clammy. Yeah, I mean, you've never done that before. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why you would suddenly begin that. It just—it seems like a thing I could do. That—that that might be the. Oh, it's the slimy hands guy, you know. Then oh I, yeah, you could always make an association. To occupy that space. Yeah, it's the slimy hands guy with the mask. And then I've got a thing. I'm <laughs> memorable. Got a thing. Oh wow. Um. So we had some pretty good. We do. We've had a good fucking week, haven't we? We had a really it's, fun couple weeks there. It's, it's, it's been, been crazy. a lot's been going on since the last time that we got at everybody's oh ears. Oh my god, I know, right? It just and it doesn't seem like any time passed at all, but it's been like over two weeks. Um, just real quick, shout out to Red Moon Roleplaying for giving us a shout out. I did not know that they listened. I'm so happy to have such a high quality actual play podcast as listeners. I've listened to their material, and it's always incredibly on point. It is the one of the few actual plays that I can just recommend without any hesitancy. So thank you to Red Moon Roleplaying for hitting us up. Yeah, and they play really cool stuff. Oh, they do. They play all, all the best of, shit, man. Yeah. Play all the best shit. Um, and then, you know, we just did a bonus episode with uh, Zach Smith. Yep, and talked to uh, Zach Smith. That was really a a pleasure. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, s- super fun to have on, and uh, that episode is crushing it in terms of the the numbers. And so, um, if you've missed it, you should listen to it because uh, that's that's one of our biggest episodes. And apparently. he's got a lot of things, to, insightful things to say about writing games and and running horror games. That so. would be a better reason to listen. Yeah. Without without any without <laughs> mincing words. That would definitely be a better reason to listen. All right, so, man, so let's just kind of get right into it. The whole, like, thing, the whole what have we been up to section. We're going to have to break this whole thing up. We've been up to everything. Everything. I I feel like we just, somehow in, like, mid-July, our lives just turned into, like, perpetual role-playing, and we've just been doing that. Now it's mid-August, and we're kind of coming out of it, and it's like, oh, yeah, we got to go to our jobs and all that shit. Still, I guess. Yeah, definitely. That was a thing that happened. Yeah. The game club was able to kind of continue under its its own uh, uh, internal kind of impetus and, and yeah. without us there to, to shepherd it, which was really cool to see. It was super was. Like, we were at Gen Con, and then um, Patty, one of the owners at Game Depot, our sponsor, sent us a picture of the game club meeting without us and it was just and they were like wearing their shirts and stuff and i was like well look at that man look at that it's like warmed your heart a little bit it warmed my heart a lot i like the idea that full metal rpg is an is an is a concept that exists without us having to constantly mind it you know what well, i'm that's saying the idea behind having cultists right is they go out and they do your dark bidding while you're not there 
Yeah, yeah, you you make a strong case. Uh, so we, we you know, we what we went to, man. We went to Gen Con. We that's, went to Gen Con. That's basically, I mean, uh, we ran games at Gen Con. If if we were to like fuck around and try and make it sound like we've been up to anything else, that's basically what we were up to. Is was Gen Con. It's, it's it's a behemoth. It really is. It's it's for whatever reason the summer, July, August is con season. Yeah. Like some people are out of work and they're traveling. Yeah. And, you know, you got to do the cons. Nobody wants to fly around the fucking winter. You know. So yeah, we did because it was crit hit, and then it was right on into Gen Con after that, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then there was, I mean, this last weekend it was Game On Expo and Maricopa yeah, Con. And I just, didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. I didn't do that, man. I, I, I don't I know why doing, you did another con like I ended right up after doing back Game On right after I got back. So that seemed just foolish. crushing cons right and left. That seemed foolish to me, man. I'm yeah, it was lie. not my best decision. But, uh, <laughs> But I, I, I felt like I had to help out some people in the community and, and be a good friend. So I went and I, and I did that and, and I had fun. So Yeah. So uh, you and I, we flew out to uh, Gen Con on, it was uh, it was Wednesday night when we left. It and, was a Wednesday. And uh, we took the red eye because I had this idea that the red eye would be a good idea. That would be cheaper. Or whatever. Because the idea was, you had to run a game Thursday morning at Thursday 10. Thursday morning. So we were going to have to do some kind of either fly out Wednesday and get a hotel room or fly out and arrive early Thursday morning. Right. So we were like, if we fly the red eye, we can just crash at the airport well, and sleep there. You see, the thing is, is that last year when we took the red eye, it cruised us in at like 6 a.m. And then like getting to the con and... uh running at like 10 was not a big deal right but this year it got us in at 1 a.m and that was like not as good yeah it was a weird time (laughs) that was not as good we ended up opting for the hotel and then interestingly i had set up a rental car and we got to the rental car it was i wasn't supposed to be there till like 5 30 in the morning and i was like can i get my rental car now and they were like yes would you like a mustang (laughs) (laughs) This is like 1.30 a.m. in Indianapolis, and I'm and my first answer, because I am me, is no. How much does it cost? No, I don't yeah. want it. I mean, I said to her, I was like, no, because yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, I don't drive those cars. I drive econo boxes. And then I was like, I, there was like this part of me in my brain where I was like, I was like, Brendan, you're not allowed to drive a car like that. You must have like class solidarity or something. And then I was like, well, hang on. Does it cost extra? And the girl behind the counter is like, no, it's the same. Yeah, sure it doesn't. And I'm like, I'll take it. And so we got to spend Gen Con like driving around Indy in a fucking, like a fucking sweet ass Mustang. Two-door coupe little Mustang. It was pretty great. That car was nice. It was like brand fucking new. It had like 3,000 miles on it or something. It was like... And then we stayed kind of a ways from the convention center. We did. We also stayed up for by the, economic by the pyramids reasons. For economic reasons. <laughs> and um, that meant that we had like a pretty good little jaunt each day in the car. And oh my fucking god, it's just like it's like Ferris Bueller said, man. I mean, like I I highly recommend it if you have the means. You know, it's just like son of a bitch, dude. I've never driven a car like that before. It was a trip. It was really fun. Dude, it was really fun. All right, so enough about that. No one gives a shit about us driving cars. Um, So we did all four days at Gen Con, right? Uh, I ran four games. I only ran three games. 
And then we spent a fairly good amount of time talking to some of the people who we kind of affiliate with via the show, some listeners, some of our good friends, um, and then of course some game developers and designers. Some game developers and designers. It's always it's always good to make inroads for the next year while you're there. And um, and uh, then walking that convention floor and just feeling all your money just fall out of your wallet. I I have to say the first two days. The first two days, we are pretty good. Uh, yeah, there was I was doing all right, yeah. and I was staying on budget, and everything was fine until that <laughs> moment where it wasn't. Yeah, basically, I I kind of did this thing where I was like, I had made, I had told all my friends like, oh, you need me to pick anything up at Gen Con, and like a few of them had said yes, and I was like, okay, not a problem. And then like while I was in the plane, I started getting these messages like, oh, you're going to Gen Con, get me this. Oh, you're getting Gen Con, get me this. And then it turned into a lot more people. So the whole concept of having a budget because of the way that all the money was like flowing together, sort of, it's a weak excuse, but it's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. Uh, it just, it all kind of got lost in translation and that, oh my God, that, uh, that uh, Pelgrain Press booth, whew, they did a number on me, man. Yeah. They beat me up. Well, yeah, they, I didn't get, I got mostly beat up by by the Genesis booth. <laughs> oh my God! Okay, we'll get to that in just a second. We'll get to that in just a second. <laughs> but another thing that you and I kind of did at uh, Gen Con, and this is this is sort of a, a twist in the story of Fullmetal RPG, is we kind of got out and started looking around for work as freelance writers in the role playing industry. We were we both did. we we spent a, we spent a bunch of money on the front end to get like nice cards made and some flyers for the show, and we spent a lot of time flyering the show. At Gen Con, if you're listening to the show, this is your like, first time after we flyered you. Thank you very much. Welcome aboard. We really appreciate you taking the time to listen. Um, and uh, so we kind of were out there trying to see what our luck was like. And um, yeah, we were. We had like work. We've done work. There's stuff we've written out there, and people have seen it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of went around. We said, hey, if you, know. you want to see our work, we've got our work. Yeah, the thing about being a podcast for a couple of years is that it inures you to shame. You just stop feeling it, and you just start saying, "Hey, I do things. Maybe I could do some other things for you." Right? Doesn't that sounds come, weird. Come when look I put at it like the stuff that, that it, it's. Well, it's just it's that, and I think it's kind of hitting that stride in life where you don't you realize that you don't give a shit what people think about you, or you realize people really kind of don't think about you, and so yeah, they don't. I mean, and it's just like you gotta start somewhere, and it doesn't it doesn't hurt to just start with like some earnest inquiries. Well, the worst thing they can say is no, and if they say no, then you're just right where right back where you started. Right. You know, you didn't you didn't get you didn't go backwards by hearing the word no. You just yeah, stayed it's not even. No, and now I'm gonna cut off one of your fingers. It's not the yakuza, <laughs> right? Like, like I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna have to yeah. get a dragon tattoo yeah. to go across my back. Yeah. Yeah. Well. I mean, eventually, might. probably, but that'll be when I, I think when I hit that like crazy phase, if I ever get to that like crazy, I got a bunch of money, Wolf of Wall Street phase, that's when I'll do that. Yeah. That's when yeah. I'm going to get That's the how tattoo. you guys will know I was lost it. All right. So, um, you know, usually we get, we get, go into a spot where we talk about kind of like our hobby, you know, like meaning our consumerism. So do you have like any consumerism you'd like to report on? What, what, what treasures did you bring back from? Oh, I bought so much stuff. 
so I hit the Goodman's game booth and I got uh, so it was a Starless Sea and a couple other things for DCC because they were recommended to me. Guys, isn't this the biggest twist that this guy's out there buying DCC shit it's now? It's the biggest twist. It's the biggest oh, twist. It's like I, I, people tell me how good it is and I'm like, all right, cool. I want to be like part of the community and, you know, and give back to the, to, you know, because a lot of people I respect really like it. Yeah. And Diogo Colette and those and, and Jim Miller, they really love it. And so I was like, all right, cool. Well, then I'll, I'll take a look through these and I'll read them. And then I got a bunch of Lamentation stuff. Uh, the uh, Frostbitten and Mutilated, and then that four-pack of books, She Bleeds, Obscene Serpent Religion, uh, Mushroom Kingdom one, and then the, I can't remember the other one off the top of my head. It's got the guy in like the Plague Doctor. Yeah, the, the Zarkov Kowalski one. That's the, that's the only one that I'm kind of sad I didn't get, but go ahead. Yeah, I got that. I got, oh, I got Mechatron, because I wasn't sure if I'd be able to find it anywhere, because free play leagues oh. games are weird and Sometimes hard to come by. That's the um, that's the robot expansion for Mutant Year Zero. Yeah, yeah. Right. I got that. I got a whole slew of Thirteenth Age stuff. So much Thirteenth Age stuff. Yeah, we got really abused by that yeah. uh, Pelgrim booth. Pelgrim booth. Yeah, Bestiary Two, Eyes of the Stone Thief, the Demonologist book, one other book that I'm not remembering off the top of my head. And then um, I couldn't get Realms of Chaos, Slaves of Darkness. They didn't oh my have it. god, it was that out. was such bullshit. It was sold out. That was such bullshit. Oh, do you yeah. want to buy Rogue Trader? I already have Rogue Trader. Oh well, too bad because yeah. we don't have it. We went to the Games Workshop booth. Well, Adam did. I was upstairs running a game, and he was like, you know. You I know, waited in line, too. You waited in line I waited in to line get that news? To oh get that news. Fucking God. And then How I got lame. to the front, and I was like, hey, man. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're sold out. But Kill Team just, and I was like, I don't care about that. Yeah. I, I, was, I, I flat out told the guy, I was like, you have sold me this game. Three times. Three times already. In the last year. I was like, I bought Kill Team in the last edition. Seventh edition Then you were like, version. Shadow Wars coming out. So I said, all right, cool. I'm not going to do Kill Team. I'm going to wait for Shadow Wars. Shadow so, War came out. So hyped for Shadow War. I was we pumped were. for Shadow War. I loved it. We had a league going. We had a league. Then they were like, Necromunda's coming out. And I was like, well, hell. Like, you, then they dropped all support for Shadow War. And it was like, all right, great. Then I bought Necromunda. And then they're like, hey, guys, Necromunda, guess what? Kill Team. And Kill Team's back. I gave up. Again. So yeah. I gave up. Yeah. I'll I'm get not- it eventually because I'm, I'm, I know I'm shameless, but I gave up. And, I'm not uh, buying the same game four times in a year. Right. I mean, that's going to have to wait a while. <laughs> seriously. And so I didn't buy that. I resisted. But yeah, I had to wait in line for that. And they told me, oh, we don't have it. So I said, all right, great. Well, then I'm not buying this. And then um, I bought Genesis while I was there. And whew, that was a spicy meatball. That is a. Uh, well, first of all, tell us what the Genesis is because I'm not. I don't. It, I don't think it has big penetration into the uh, American market yet. It is like a post-apocalyptic horror role-playing game. Is the best way I can describe it. Um, it's got all these like cults and groups, and you're surviving in like a, a post-apocalyptic Europe mostly because it's a. It's it was made in Europe. Yeah. It, it's, is it from England or is it from Germany or I what? think it's from Germany. I want to say it's from Germany. It's gorgeous. Uh, it's beautifully illustrated. Um, the paper is very, very nice. It is heavy as hell. Um, and the core two books to run it are $120. Like, oh, you want to run this game? 120 bucks. I mean, it's like really very beautiful. I it mean, is it's like, gorgeous. It's like, it's, it's like art books. Yes. It's a very pretty book and I love just flipping through it. I haven't really read it yet, so I can't give you the highs and lows. I will probably review it on the show at some point when I Ooh, get Ooh, that's that's nice. When that's I get a chance really to good. dig into it. Um, it came highly recommended. Uh, Alan Barr 
yeah, of Gallant Knight Games Gallant came up, Knight and he's Games like, just down the way." Yeah, and he saw me looking at it, and he's like, "You buy, you need to buy that game. Yeah. You won't regret it. Buy that game." Yeah, and yeah. Uh, he made that sale. Jamie from Coliseum Rex also recommended it. It was funny because Jamie had posted a picture of it on Instagram, like the day earlier and was right. like oh yeah i really recommend this to genesis game if you're not playing it yet and so i had never heard of it because i mean it has no distribution in america whatsoever apparently the guys who had the booth at gen con were like they like own a comic book shop in like wisconsin kansas or something city. kansas city and they like they bring it in and they will ship it to you but um, it's expensive it's the expensive. shipping is expensive and so there's four books out for it right now it's plus the, a screen. Plus a screen. Yeah. There's the two main core books. Then yeah. there's the uh, Southern Europe, Northern Africa book. And then there's the Europe book. And there was one other one. Yeah, because I think that like when you, if you got everything. So I guess there were five books. It was like 300 bucks, right? Yeah. It was, it was expensive. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't be talked into buying the... The, laying that much cash out yeah. for it, but I did get the core books, and I imagine at some point I'll probably have to figure out a way to get the add-on books if I like it. But I'm not going to worry about that. That's a future Adam problem, and I don't like future <laughs> Adam, and I punt a bunch of problems off to future Adam. I was I was trying to wheel and deal with those guys. I was trying to yeah. to find the angle. I was trying to find the soft spot in their underbelly where they would come down on the price and i was just like oh okay so i see that it's like blah blah x money for this and it's blah blah x money for that like like come on now let's what, what's the deal like if i got if i buy everything if, it's just, if i split my wallet open and i just give you the contents of my you know my fortunes what does it cost for everything and they were like oh well you get two free t-shirts and right. i'm like uh okay well I'm not really compelled by t-shirts. Yeah. I'm compelled and by And the only count. size we have is double XL. <laughs> That's the thing, right? <laughs> then they go the only size is double XL. So like so Adam springs for the for the two core books and the screen. I got the screen. Right. Yeah. So yep. he he spends his money mm -hmm. and we're getting ready to talk and they're like, Do you want the t shirts? And so Adam's like takes a t shirt and they're like, Here we have one for you. Adam Adam go they they actually say they say to him, they're like, What size are you? And Adam goes, Large and they go, We only have double extra large. <laughs> so it's like, why it's did like, you ask me? <laughs> first of all, why'd you ask? Second of all, that sucks. Right. <laughs> this, this is like the suckiest gimme like mm -hmm. ever is a double extra t-shirt. So I came out of it just for standing there and fucking like sitting here and trying to wheedle this guy down. I got a free double extra large t-shirt that like seriously looks like a smock. Yeah. Their sales pitch was basically you don't have to pay the shipping so it's cheaper just to buy it right now. And they're not wrong. The that, shipping on that book from their distributor is outrageous. It's completely legitimate. But as a sales ploy, it's, it's terrible. terrible. No, I agree nobody with you. wants to hear. About the that. only reason I bought that book was because Alan Barr sold it to me. So they should pay that guy a commission if they didn't. They should, <laughs> but, but they, they are won't. Not. They'll it's... give them a two XL T-shirt. Here you go, <laughs> Alan Barr. Have a two XL T-shirt. Yeah, Alan, if you're listening to this and you want a two XL T-shirt, get at me and Adam because yeah. we'll send you one. We'll it's let not you a know. Problem. We'll just boom. We'll just put drop it. We can in. send you two. Yeah, I don't know. Are you a two XL guy? I can't remember. I don't think so. But like, yeah. if you want one, it's yours. Um, how about you? What did you? Well, oh, no, oh, I, and then I, oh, oh, I also bought oh. minis. We bought so many fucking minis. I bought the Kev Adams orcs, the fantasy yeah, orcs. Yeah, because I no, forgot there's, about a little, there's a little bit of a story there, which is that we were at the Impact, Impact minis, minis booth, booth and and what was he telling us? Because we were trying to figure out where the fuck these things come from. It's these beautiful old ass minis, right? So the the owner of Impact Minis was there, and he was explaining he went to an estate sale. 
for a guy who had was owned a miniatures producing business. And yeah. at the estate sale were these molds, these casts. Yeah, like for ma- these the master molds. The master molds, yeah. And he was talking to the guy's father because I guess the guy's father was still alive. And he was like, if I buy these, how do I get the rights to produce them? And the guy's dad was like, oh, yeah, it's just all you can. Yeah. The molds and the rights, it's all you get it. And I guess he got it for like a really good price. Um, and yeah. so he's just been banging out these classic yeah. old school minis that are gorgeous it's, like they're really pretty it's kind of like gw shit they're they're so so those who like follow old hammer or whatever these lines are known as like the heartbreaker heartbreaker minis i don't know why i don't get that i'm not steeped enough in that lore to know why they're called called that i think that might have been a different like sub company that gw ended up absorbing or something but the point is is that they have the classic gw look the just just the unbelievable like I, I ended up buying a squad of high elves and they're the ones with like the super high cheekbones that are like razor sharp and their eyes have this kind of like even unpainted their eyes have this haughty disdain on them and the orcs have those like really fun like kind of like dumb goofball yeah, kind of looks to them with the yeah. lips sticking out and stuff yeah they look kind of like happily stupid in a certain way and then uh, the goblins have that same kind of look, and they're just, and they were, they're all so beautiful. And it was one of those things that we saw last year, and we, I passed on it because I'm an idiot. And I went back this year, and I was like, I'm not passing. I'm taking those fucking Kev Adam elves home, and I did. Um, so yeah, that's the kind of get started. What? Oh, you know. So before we can move on, what's the thing that you purchased that you're most excited about? Be real. The thing that I purchased that I'm most excited about, I yeah, I probably got to give it to Degenesis because I had heard so much good stuff about it. I think that's the thing that I'm most excited about, like digging into and and messing around with. See, I hadn't heard hardly anything about it. It just it was such a fucking obviously like I mean like, like take a top shelf product that you consider to be like a top shelf fucking role playing product, right? Like. Uh, like Coriolis is very nice. Mm-hmm. That's like a beautiful book. I was gonna that's, say Modiphius books are generally very, very uh, well exactly. done. Exactly. I mean, that's some that's some really good shit. Like what I haven't seen that fucking Monty Cook game that costs five hundred dollars. That's supposed to be like the luxury role playing game. I I've never seen that. But like, you know, I I have some nice role playing books here, and um, and so when you take like the A plus role playing book. This is just in a whole order of magnitude higher than that. It really is. It's, it's just, you're just it's really pretty. You're just like what the you're like what the fuck? It doesn't even look like a game. Yeah. You know, you're like what the, what the fuck is this shit? Anyway, so it's like really it's really nicely laid out. Um yeah, I'm really looking forward to to spending some time with that one. I think that'll probably be probably be the one that that I will either be the most excited about or the most disappointed in. Hopefully, the most excited <laughs> about. It, like I said, Alan Barr said it's great. So, and I trust that guy. So, uh, I think I will probably really, really enjoy it. I had heard Jamie talking about it the day before, and I had made a note because when Jamie talks about something, I make a note. You know, I'm like, this is something I look into. Um, and then I saw it the next day, and of, and of course the price tag. I mean, when I was walking up to the booth, I was like, oh, this is the thing. I was like, oh, I'll get it. And then it's like. No, it's a hundred and fifty bucks 
because it was $30. 35 for the, for the screen. For the screen. So yeah, it's $150 it's if yeah. you want to fucking get started on this game. And I was just like. I told you, like, after I read it, it, I will let you borrow it I'm and not, read it. I'm it's... not borrowing your gorgeous ass book. There's just no way. I'm not buying your fucking. Because like, if you, like, dump coffee on it, then you'd be like, oh. No. Because if I, like, if I like, sneezed on it or if, like, the dog jumped on my lap while I was trying to read it or something, I'd just feel terrible and I need to buy you a new book. These are things. And they are meant to be played with. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind. You know, it's like, I don't, I'm not even that upset about the books that I have that are falling apart. It's well, like, I'm not hey. upset about the books either. I mean, like, like I love them. And I feel like when they get, they get a lot of use, then that shows that they have contributed something. Right. You, it's like people who buy it. these vintage board games, right? And they go, oh, should I open it? Should I? It's like, yes. Of course you should open, open it and it. play with it. Open it today. Open it and play with it. That's what it's for. It's not designed to sit in a box perfect forever. No. Every day. What good is that doing anybody? Right. Civilization's going to collapse in like 20 years anyway, according to some model that some computer made. So just enjoy the stuff now. And then in 2040, we're all going to be picking scraps off the side of the road. Yeah, basically. Um. So uh, anyway, on to the next thing. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I got a bunch of shit. And um, boy, my, I wish I could say that my inauspicious consumption of role-playing goods was limited to Gen Con, but it has not been. So, before I even got to Gen Con, I purchased some Shadowrun books because uh, Jamie from Rex is running a uh, Shadowrun 2nd Edition game for some of the for some of the peeps, and I'll talk to you a little bit later, more about that later. Um, so I picked up Shadowrun Companion because I already had Shadowrun 2nd Edition Core. I picked up a like mint copy of the second edition source book threats. It's like one of my favorite source books ever. And it's I one with the dragon on it's the cover, one of the right? dragon has been eaten by bugs. I still have that one. It's such a good book. Yeah. And I bought it. I bought my copy of it in the nineties or so whatever, like it all about books and comics. And it had been sitting on the shelf. It was all like fucked up from being there. Yeah. Mine's all trash, but I love this little Chicago bug city. It's yeah. so cool. So, so such a good book. And then I ordered this one, and it's like fucking vintage. Like some, like it's like it was just been sitting there, unused, untouched. And I'm like, man, now I feel bad even like looking at it. I feel like I'm blaspheming it. Anyway, so I got those for Shadowrun. Um, while I was at the con, I was there running Trail of Cthulhu, and I really had Trail of Cthulhu deeply on my mind. It's my belief that when you go to Gen Con, you always, you always regret not doing something that's the way i am as a person i always just regret what i didn't do i rarely regret what i did do but i always regret what i didn't do so my big 2017 gen con regret was that i didn't go ham on the fucking trail of cthulhu at that point last year i didn't really i didn't even own the game i came home from gen con after hanging out at their booth and like really looking at the books and walking by them a few times and flipping through them and shit and i came home and i waited like three or six months or something before i ordered some and then, of course, I just was so into it. I was just so into it, like, immediately that I uh, was there running fucking Trail of Cthulhu. It was sort of irony. Anyway, so I was like, I'm not going to let that slip through my fingers. This year, I'm going to buy a whole fucking shit ton of Trail of Cthulhu books. So, what did I get? I got Eternal Lies, which is the Trail of Cthulhu mega campaign. It's, like, 350 pages. It's really fat. It's supposed to be like, you know, in the mountains of madness or masks of Narothotep or whatever, you know, it's one of those type 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 games. And um I'm reading it right now. I'm 
fucking like so in love with it. I have been obsessing about Eternal Lies literally since August of 2017. Um, then uh, Robin Robin D Laws talked me into getting uh, uh, D- Fall of Delta Green because as a Pelgrin like runner, they threw they gave us these little tote bags, and in my tote bag was a uh, Fall of Delta Green T-shirt. And I, like so, all the Pelgrin guys were wearing them, and I was I walked up to him and I'm like. All right, man. So I own all this TOC shit, and there's a whole nother Delta Green game, like a few rows down, and that game is like up for like six Annies or something. Like, why do I need this game? Pitch me, tell me why I tell me why I gotta buy this game. And he told me. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'll buy it. Um, it just sounds like a completely different experience. What really sold me on it is because I don't know if you're familiar with the premise of Fall Delta Green, but the idea is, is there's like this government agency, there's like Delta Green clearance, right? And what that means is is that you know about mythos shit. And that there's like a handful, there's just a handful of people in the entire government that have this level of clearance and they are spread out across all these different organizations, right? So, so, so you play a character that has this Delta Green clearance, right? And you think that you're going to like with all of your special forces training or your CIA operative training or whatever, that you're going to save the world from mythos shit. Right. And then things go wrong. I roll to shoot Cthulhu in the face. It just turns out that it doesn't matter what your training is. This shit makes your life bad. And the way he sold it to me was he goes, he goes, first of all, it's a period piece. It takes place in the, 19, the late 1960s into the, into the mid-1970s. And there's yeah, there's, I saw some like Vietnam-looking stuff. Yeah. I had a very recon vibe, some of the stuff that I saw. And, and that was the thing that was like the big turnoff to me. Was like I didn't want like a jungle fighting game. I wanted like a horror don't game. Don't buy recon. You know, right. And so he goes, he says to me, he goes, what's interesting about this game is when you start out playing, you think you might be powerful. But then it turns out you aren't. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that just sounds that coupled with the sort of like uh, the feeling of like the 1960s, like infiltrating the the DNC convention and and uh, like everything's going on with Vietnam and the the artifacts of that time getting to play with that stuff because nobody really does it right now it's you know especially with cthulhu stuff it's 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 so fixated either on like the 1930s or now i was like shit sold so that sounds a lot like recon to me because you go into that game and you think you're going to be powerful you're like i got an m60 i'm a badass and then there's just a bullet with your name on it oops character's dead roll a new one you're not powerful so uh, I also picked up Dreamhounds of Paris because Bookhounds of London was so great. I was like, I gotta have Dreamhounds of Paris. Flip through it. I don't think it's as good as Bookhounds of London. Uh, just saying, I don't know. But I, that's not. What, I haven't done a deep dive on it. I was compelled by the power of impulse buying to pick up Out of the Woods, which is a uh, collection of stories, like short adventures you can run, little modules. Well, it was impulse buying and the buy four. Buy, buy three get one free yeah that, <laughs> that was, also played that was it. really the thing yeah so it's it they all it's all like a bunch of rural adventures that take place in like the dark woods and i think that's cool and then the last thing i got from them was a book called the book of the smoke and that's like a it's like half kind of like creative writing novel half kind of like um <clears throat> in-game reference which it's a guide 
to the occult societies of London at the same time that Bookhounds of London takes place. So you can use it with your Bookhounds of London games. And I was like, okay, that's just fucking amazing. I gotta have it. Um, because I had been sent on a mission by my friends to pick up a ton of LOTFP stuff, um, I ended up just by merit of buying the stuff that my friends needed, like triggering the deals that you got at the LOTFP booth. And despite the fact that I bought nothing myself, I ended up with a copy of Frostbitten and Mutilated and a, and a new LOTFP t-shirt. So huzzah to that. We went by the uh, Wildfire booth, as is our custom. And, uh, it is a habit at this point. Yeah, and uh, uh, they have a game. They have like a dark, a dark horror game. It used to be called Chthonic Stars, like it's a long the time void ago. Now, right? Now it's been rebranded as the Void. And they didn't have the core book, which I thought was kind of like they're like, oh, you can get it on drive through. And I was like, I was like, I, I think that like as sales pitches go, that is only just one step down from lameness. Here's a T-shirt. In terms of yeah, it, here's or a two XL T-shirt it, 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 that doesn't fit you. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah, what I what I really mean is it's slightly lamer than saying um, you buy now and avoid the shipping. It's just kind of right. like it's just kind of like I I want to buy now to avoid the shipping, but I can't even do it anyway. Anyway. Um, well, better were the ones that were, hey, if you bet, if you pre-order this right now and oh. pay the shipping, you can, and it was like, why would I do that? It was it seventy dollars. We yeah. were walking by a, uh, not, we're not gonna name names. We were right. walking by a booth for a game that we're both interested in, and we were like, oh, when's it out? They're like, oh, next month. I was like, cool, get it next month. And they're like, but if you pay now, it's like, well, you mean I can come here and? Spend oh, you got a pin. That was it. <laughs> you like, get a pin. You get a lapel pin. Yeah. And I was like, I don't give a shit about a lapel pin i don't have lapels it was (laughs) that i need to pin it was 70 bucks yeah it's like i can spend i can give you 70 dollars and get nothing i mean like look i understand that i do this on kickstarter all the time but kickstarter is a completely different experience psychologically from a psychological level anyway then um so I got, I did get the Void Player's Guide, even though I couldn't get the core book. I picked up the, they convinced me I got the Player's Guide. So, um, I was at the Magpie booth. I picked up The Cold Ruins of Last Life by Brendan Conway, which is like a hack of, it's not a hack, it's a, it's a campaign setting for Dungeon World. That's Sarah Doombringer recommended. She did. Um, it was, uh, oh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a set, campaign setting for Dungeon World in which your character's dead. Your character starts out dead and you, you, uh, proceed forward as this kind of, like, undead creature in this creepy, like, nether world. And I thought that was pretty rad. Um, I spent a ton of time at the Mantic booth. So, shout out to Martin Thirwell, shout out to, uh, Pat, Community Pat. Um, it, it was so great hanging out with those guys and getting to know them better, kind of paving the way for the, uh, Mantic community that we're looking at building here in the Valley of the Sun. Um, I picked up, so I picked up a fuck ton of goddamn Mantic shit. I won't even bore you guys with all that. I got some Marauders coming my way. Woo, Marauders. That is right. Um, yeah, so I got those Kev Adams High Elves. Then when I got back to Phoenix... <laughs> <laughs> I ordered the Void Core book. Ah, so. Well, we knew it had to happen. <coughs> it had to happen. 
It was like yeah. when I bought that Cthulhu Dice Tower today. I saw that thing and I was like, this is ridiculous and gorgeous. Did you buy that? I did buy it. You are. Oh my Jesus. <laughs> Dude, it had Where a, did you see that? It had a pile of flaming skulls and a, and a, and the elder sign and all the cool stuff. Where and did you see that? I was just like kind of cruising. So when I go on Amazon periodically to like oh check out what's God. going on, it'll recommend stuff to me. And it was like, hey, you want to a look at this? And I was like, oh, man, that is really pretty looking. So I did order that. You you got it, huh? I did. I ordered all right. it. Well, After I bring- sent it to you, I was like, check this out. <laughs> and then I ordered it. You better it. bring it to the next Rogue Trader. I will I will bring it to the next Rogue Trader. Um, Now, so this year's Big Regret was a game that I saw <clears throat> called Ethereum, okay? I had been sitting in this common area talking to this guy, and he was like, oh, I played a role-playing game in the demo room called Ethereum. And he just made it sound really cool, where it's like this uh, kind of matrixy sort of game where everybody's in like a virtual world, and you are a program, and you're rolling to like hack the system that's around you, and... Uh, to do stuff. <clears throat> and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll be interested in seeing when that game comes out. And then on the last day on Sunday, I like walked around a corner and there's like a miniatures game called Ethereum. And I'm like, what is this? So they're showing it to me. And, it's, and apparently the role-playing game that was being demoed is the role-playing version of this miniatures game. And my first thought was it was on like a hex map, like a grid, a grid. And I was like, lame. And I'm not interested. And they started showing me the mechanics. And I was like, oh, fuck, this is actually really cool. This is really fucking cool. Because one of the ways that you play is that you take these t- these tiles, right? And you put them down and you place the tiles. And the idea is is that you've your characters have kind of like formed this part of the matrix, you know, to be the way you want it. And now you're fighting over control of it. And so one of the things that you can do in-game <clears throat> is you can spend your resources to move the tiles and reorient them while there's like guys on them and battles and shit happening and i'm like oh that's so fucking rad there's no other game right now that has that where it's like oh you guys see you guys fighting on a bridge i'm just gonna slide it over there (laughs) you know what i'm saying like move all i mean that that completely adds a new layer of dimensionality to, to, to the tactics anyway without getting without geeking out on that too much i will say that the thing I picked up the most excited about is my copy of Eternal Lies. I am currently reading it and taking some notes. So if if ever I have time to run a game again, you know, for my own, like out of my home with my own like joy, then I would love to run that. But you know, who knows? I'm pretty sure I come on here once a month and say I want to run something and never do. So Um Do you want to take a break? And when we come back, we can announce the winner. Let's take a break competition and we can announce the winner of our l5r competition do we want to talk about our sponsor before we announce take a why, break? why don't you tell everybody about our sponsor our, there adam our sponsor is the game depot in tempe arizona this week they have offered up to the willing hands of you cultists the legends of the five ring starter box set Game Depot is in Tempe, Arizona on McClintock and Southern by the YCs and the Planet Fitness. If you go in there, let them know we sent you. If anything on the show tickles your fancy and you buy it there, let them know. Uh, we appreciate it. They appreciate it. And uh, we are always pleased to uh, you know, rep the Game Depot and go there. I was there earlier today buying paints or painting up some guys for Rogue Trader. So 
<laughs> Rogue Trader, man. Yeah. All right, right great. We'll, we'll see you guys in a couple minutes. See you in a few. Welcome back. And now we have the winner of our contest for a copy of The Legend of the Five Rings Beginner Game. Donated to us by our friends at the Game Depot in Tempe, Arizona. This is a brand new beginner box, still in the cello, shipped anywhere in the world to one lucky winner. And I have to say, when I was in the store picking up this box... There was another one on the shelf, and I was like this close to buying it because it's really cool. I don't Everybody know. Everybody loves samurais. I, What's you know, not to love. Look, I have never felt any kind of interest in Legend of the Five Rings, but this new edition that they have, like the art direction on it, they've like kind of toned down the fantasy a little bit, and they've kind of dialed up the grit a little bit. And yeah, that just, was always what kind of off-putting to me. It was like, yeah. it's the Crab Clan and the yeah. Unicorn Clan. And I was like, I don't really just, give a sh- I just, just want to play a samurai. Yeah, exactly. And now it just looks like it's a little. it's got a little bit more tooth to it. And so um, this is very exciting to give away. It's $40 retail value, which is actually kind of approachable if you're thinking about picking one up. Anyway, so without any further ado, this copy of The Legend of the Five Rings Beginner Game is going to Full Mail RPG Listener. Skylar Crane! Skylar! Skylar Crane, get at us, and we will ship that to you anywhere in the world. Now, guys, if you know Skylar, and you listen to the show, tell him to get at us, because if you don't get at us, we're not we're not, we're not going to hassle you, we're not going to run you down. Uh, we are starting to build up a little pile of unclaimed prizes here at Fullmetal RPG. And some of them are really nice prizes. <laughs> some of them are really fucking good, guys. And uh, now, be, if we were unethical individuals, Adam and I would just say that your loss is our gain, and we divide them amongst us. Oh, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that That's shit. Not okay. No, we would never do that such a thing. We are going to redistribute these to worthy winners at a future date. But all of that can be avoided by simply claiming your prizes. So, Skylar, we hope you're out there. We hope you enjoy the show. Thank you for listening. Claim your fucking prize. All right. So now that I've said that. Wouldn't think it'd be hard, but it apparently is harder. Or just people don't read the rules and don't care about actually listening to the show. Yeah, well. (laughs) We're not just going to give something to you. I think you've hit the nail on the head, Adam. (laughs) I think you've found the source. (laughs) I'm not just going to give you something if you don't listen. You have to actually listen. We want you to be our friend. Yeah, just click through it. We want to feel like we have a relationship Just, like, click through it. Anyway, so, um... You can play any games lately, Adam? I have played games lately. So I ran uh, Gears of Defiance three times at the con. Why don't you tell me about your first one, just kind of real quick. How did it go? So the first one, um, I had uh, four guys at the table. Um, They came in, and um, it's it's essentially a game about, like, resisting kind of an autocratic, tyrannical regime called the Red Empire. And so I'm running it off of an ash can. The ash can's very slim. I by Ryan Shoon, right? Yeah, by Ryan Shoon. It was on Kickstarter. It should be releasing soon. soon. Um, so I had to kind of accelerate things to get to like a satisfying kind of conclusion or what I felt was like to, for the story to have an arc. 
the issue is you cede a lot of narrative control to the players. So right up front, you're building the the city or the world. They're telling you they're creating NPCs, and you've got to be really like quick on your feet and improvisational to run this game. So I'm very thankful for like the last year, year and a half of role playing I've done because it prepared me to run this game. Um, and so they decided very quickly that they were going to try to like just do some leafleting and like some other thing then that didn't work fast enough for them so they started just getting um violent right like they were were gonna go um firebomb a dance hall as one does right because they're essentially second class citizens so like we're gonna go firebomb this like this drinking slash dance hall that these these uh red empire citizens are are at um and so they did that so i had the the empire respond by brutally cracking down Went back and forth. There was more violence back and forth until um, I said, yeah, they're running this like train of the gears, the other citizens of your people out to this unnamed location. It goes out full. It comes back empty. goes out full. It comes back empty. So they decided we're going to bomb um, the train, right? And one of the things they had was an NPC that one of them knew uh, was this uh, countess or something that, that um, they had decided was infatuated with him. And so he he got her to get the camp commandant to come on the train on the way back. And then they bombed the train as it was on the way back to kill the commandant of this camp where they were sending all these people. And that was where we left that one. That was where we ended it. That was kind of the the final. And then I kind of said, okay, so here's where extrapolation, this is where uh, things kind of go from here so that you can have an idea of what ends up to your characters. And the guy who was playing the priest character goes, Oh, okay. Well, like just to give you an idea of what happened, my, my character commits suicide because he can't, rectify the things that he's done with his faith so he just kills himself at the end of because this. there's like a there's a pre-made character that everybody had right. to play right this like priest character you didn't have to you could you there were there was like six or seven to pick from oh really he picked the priest so it wasn't that someone had to play that character it was it was he was one of the options there was an airship captain an artist the priest uh, a soldier didn't the priest show up in like every one of your games? He did. Someone picked the priest every single time. So and they had seven. I thought must have, I figured the only there was only like five characters or something. There was like no. seven characters. And, yeah, and, and the, the priest, priest showed got up picked and every was, single time. And you had like a few tables that were like three or four people, right? Yeah, two of them were four people. The second one was only three people. Two, two, uh, two women, uh, young ladies, and then uh, an, um, another young man. And so, and and the priest got picked every single time. The priest got picked every single time. <laughs> so fucking weird. It was I wonder, very weird. I wonder what that's about. And yeah, the second time I ran it, it was uh one of the young ladies picked the priest. The other one picked um the uh the airship captain. The guy picked the artist. He decided he was a filmmaker, and so he decided he was going to like resist the uh, Red Empire. And this is all like a Victorian steampunk thing by just making like like uh propaganda films that were pornographic. Sweet. And so he's making these like pornographic propaganda films. The priest is kind of counseling like a different approach, right? Um, and Pshaw. and getting people to come to the faith. And at some point, the uh, person who was playing the airship captain, oh, she decided I'll go back to the empire because her backstory was she had been part of the empire. She stole the airship and left. She's like, I'll go back to the empire and pretend that I got kidnapped. Uh, the filmmaker guy ends up joining up with the rebellion and deciding to engage in acts of violence. The other two end up getting captured because the priest was like leafleting and unsubtly um, resisting. And the other one came back and was like, Oh, I came back. I've been held by the rebels. 
And so they both got taken into the Imperial District uh, and held in a building there as kind of prisoners, right? The priests end up turning over a bunch of the NPCs that they had created as collaborators, and they all got hung. They all got executed. Um, and so they had to watch this execution. And then the, uh, the person who was the airship captain, she had said, oh, yeah, I, this dock, I was taken there. Um, and it was at this time. And so at this execution, they said they brought her up on stage and gave her a medal for escaping. Uh, and they said, oh, um, oh, it's a backstory. Their symbol was like a, a, bla- a black circle with a white interior and a black uh, hammer inside of it. So they gave her the purple hammer because she had gotten injured escaping. Because um, she had this whole backstory and the priest, she had the priest shoot her. So she had a wound so it could look like she escaped. They brought this dock master up and they were like, this was the guy who was in charge of the docks the night that you were kidnapped. And they hand her a pistol and go, we think you know what you need to do. And she just without hesitation executed the guy on the spot. They went back to the rebellion back in the slums. And then the airship captain character goes to the Red Empire and goes, give me a ship and bombs. And I'm going to go take care of your problem for you. So she set out and starts bombing, incendiary bombing the slums. Okay, it kept it got crazier, and it ended with the priest character going into exile, taking a bunch of these like she couldn't deal with it, and she just started like street preaching essentially. Um, and she took her followers into exile with her to another nation to start over. The brother had to go into hiding as the the sister, the airship captain, waged this brutal military crackdown on this rebellion, on this resistance. Um, and it was all, she got to this point where she had effectively crushed it. And she goes, I want a meeting with the Red Emperor because of what I've done. And I said, I'll allow that. And at which point she took her plot tokens, threw them in and goes, when I get there, I draw a gun on him and I stage a military coup. And all of the people here are backing me that's what plot tokens are for. And I was like, okay. And she goes, I'm now the red empress. Uh, I send my brother into exile and uh, I make sure my sister doesn't come back with her like religious order. And so that was how that game ended was with one of them ascending this blood soaked throne. uh, The other guy becoming essentially like a willing propagandist and the sister being in exile with her followers. And then the last one I ran, they took it as a challenge to try and do nonviolent resistance. And they were doing pretty well. It was, I, I ended up having the Empire building this mega weapon, right? This super weapon. Because one of them was an engineer. And they tasked her with working on part of it. And the whole story was just them finding out what this thing was. And the end was they invited the engineers up on stage. They revealed this mega weapon. That's kind of the final scene of that was the person playing the engineer decided to attack the that director character with her wrench on stage in front of everybody which caused a riot which got her killed she became a martyr to the cause um the rest of them like organized the resistance into passive nonviolent resistance against the empire and i said okay well they effectively just occupy your area it's taking your resources until it becomes too much trouble at which point they leave um, but it takes years to get to that point um and it you know that was another one where the um, the priest character tried to sacrifice himself at the end of it. So were there any other character archetypes that got played every time? Um, the reckless gambler showed up in two of the games. And uh, the artist showed up, in, but it was a different kind of artist because there was the filmmaker and then there was another one who was more of a, a visual artist or, or a, like a typographer or something. And, and how so- did you feel the game ran? 
Because I, you you did have to make this adjustment, right? And, and Adam, I will I will say you and I went back and forth, even on the plane, and mm-hmm. as we were driving around the the city. We were talking about the the day's events. We went back and forth on this adjustment that you made, right? I I still think it's kind of controversial, but you decided that you wanted to crush through a year worth of worth of in character life. In a right. session. In a session, correct. And, and the and the game because the is game is designed for a season, so three so months ish. Right, three months ish. And the reason I did that was because I didn't know that we'd get to anywhere satisfying if we only did a three month time period, given this constraints of a con game. You know, I I didn't have a lot of uh, upfront um, input into how they wanted it run or uh, what they were looking for me to to do with it. And uh, it was a very slim volume. So I just kind of made that decision of these are the things that I'm going to do with this up front to run the type of game that I want to run. And, how, and what, were your, what were your takeaways on the game and the experience? I had fun. I think if you're running it as a non-con game, the slow burn's going to work a lot better. I didn't really have that option. Um, but you're going to have to do that just by virtue of the way that the game's constructed and kind of the back and forth. I'm very eager to see the full rule set because the empire has stuff they can do in response. I didn't really have access to that uh, with the Ashcan edition I was running off of. So I was kind of winging large portions of it. So I ran it just as a very narrative back and forth and very few roles, very few, um, very few kind of mechanical tweaky things. It was very easy to succeed because you're just looking for, uh, four, five, or six on a die, um, and you could easily make like massive dice pools because you get to decide your approach. Then, if you have a family aspect that applies to the way you're doing things, that's plus two dice. If you have boons or resources that apply, those also get you plus two. And if you have a character, profession, or virtue that applies, that gets you plus two. Did it seem like the people who played had a good time? Yeah, it seemed like they had fun. I don't think anybody really left like not having enjoyed it. Uh, there wasn't anyone who, who you know, afterwards was like, well, that was dumb or anything. So they seemed to really enjoy the game. <laughs> there wasn't anybody who was, like, overtly rude. Right, there was no one who was overtly, like, hostile or bad. You know, they and seemed to have enjoyed it. And all your games went off. Yeah, and all the games went off, so. So that's good. Yeah. You were running in the IGDN room. Yeah, so I was running in the IDGN room. They had a really nice room. There were people at the front desk. There was an area for me to leave my stuff. So that was great. I really appreciated all that. They were very helpful and very accommodating. And an X card on every table, X right? X card on every table, yep. You had the X card, it was laminated, and it had the little thing on the back that you had to read before you started the game. So, I think it was a little kind of not great that they made you read it. I mean, could you, could you opt to just say it the way you wanted to say it, or was it like, I think no, you, could you opt. must read I, it, it? I think you could opt. I, there was one table where I said, does everybody know what the X card is? And they said, yeah, we all know what it is. And I said, all right, cool, then I'm not going to sit here and read this to you because... You already know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um. Cool. Cool. Well. Uh. Let's so, see. Yeah. At uh. Gen Con. What did you do? <laughs> let's see. I ran four games, and it was all for Pelgrane. Um. Uh. I ran four Trail Cthulhu's. Um. I was supposed to run two, of a module called Exit Wound, and two of a module called Facts Pertain to the House on Hill Street. There was a slight mix-up, right? And there was a mix-up. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Exit Wound is a Trail of Cthulhu model, uh, 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 a, a Cthulhu City module. They're both Trail of Cthulhu games, and they're both written by Gareth Ryder Hanrahan, and they're both great. Um, although I will say the facts pertaining is still 
probably one of my favorite modules that I've ever read or run. And it was like so great getting to run it three times. Um, on day one, it was just like such a pain in the ass getting to the con. Like Adam and I were like, I mean, like, this is, this is going to sound like the litany of excuses. Look, but here's the point. <laughs> okay. I was late. I was late to the game. We we're too excited driving that Mustang. And I, so. did, I didn't have my badge. I didn't know what the fuck. I didn't even know what table I was supposed to be at. So I just ran into the Pelgrane room and looked to see which table didn't have a GM. And then I just kind of walked over sheepishly to them. And I was like, hey, so Trail Cthulhu? And they're like, yeah. And I'm going, and I'm like, what What game is it? And they're like, oh, it's called Exit Wound. <laughs> I'm like, oh, because I kind of thought I was supposed to be doing facts pertaining today and they're like nope it's called exit wound and i i literally sat there for a second and thought about just running it from memory and being like okay let's do this from memory and then i realized that's madness you just i mean it's not i i i couldn't do it i don't have the wherewithal to do it yeah that would have been a tough one to do with with the way that spends in that game work and the way that like successes work so i mean to kind of rewind a little bit trail of cthulhu is a is a is a new new way of playing the classic sandy peterson call of cthulhu but with a sort of more modern rule set that emphasizes the interpretation of clues rather than the finding of clues if you want to get clues you're going to get them out of the scene you're you're there the success in that regard is automatic but then you have to sit there and you kind of piece this stuff together yourself, and you have to kind of come to, you know, logical endpoints uh, over the course of your your investigation. Um, combat is very minimal. All the dice rolls and everything are very minimal, uh, which is something I love because it's very easy. It's like literally one d six. You can play the game with one d six. It turned out later I was kind of like fucking up the sandy mechanic a little bit. But whatever, you know, it's like I I had run a couple games. I had run a few sessions of trail before I had gone out there, but I hadn't had a real opportunity to like really do a deep dive into it. And the Gen Con experience I had just it made me a lot better GM, especially for that game. Um, So at that table, I looked at him and I was like, hey, look, I kind of thought I was supposed to do facts pertaining uh, would it bum you out if I did? And they were like, oh, no, that's fine. Uh, none of us have ever played Trail Cthulhu before, so we aren't really expecting anything. What I kind of learned this Gen Con is that people buy tickets to things because they can get them, and right. they don't really know quite what it is. Also, the the descriptions of what people are supposed to be playing are like very minimal. So these people had had basically bought tickets based on like oh it's a cthulhu game and there's a mysterious house or whatever yeah that's what i got is it was just oh we're just looking for a role-playing game yeah Yeah. they didn't really care what it was they just wanted to play a role-playing game yeah so people come in they have these incredibly low expectations and i thought it was actually kind of cool that i wasn't running cthulhu city because cthulhu city is like that's like a very particular way of playing call of cthulhu it's like it it completely sort of inverts the entire experience and uh, to to my taste it's it's like playing wraith in a way that is like much more accessible than playing wraith ever was it's a very fun game 
Um, we already have that. That's called Orpheus. But it's not. It's not what people who show up to play Call of Cthulhu are expecting. They're expecting like this kind. They're expecting you know, more of a slow burn, and they're expecting kind of like less, less like overt horror in a certain way. Um, they're expecting a little bit more realism, and uh, Cthulhu City is just like very surreal. It's like very kind of over the top in a certain sense in the in, in terms of its darkness. Um, Anyway, so I was happy to run facts pertaining for them because that's just like such a great module. Anyway, they all had a blast. They got a lot out of it. Um, that's a great module. If you have the chance to play facts pertaining to the house on Hill Hill Street, fucking play it. Then, uh, because then the next day, you know, I thought I was supposed to run Exit Wound that day, but it turns out that was Hill Street day. So I ran that again. That was another great game. With another group of people who were like not necessarily familiar with, with Trail of Cthulhu, and we had another blast. And I and I swear to God, at that point, by the time that day was over, I had run that game three times. I'd run that module three times with different groups, and in different cities, and it never turns out the same. It's always really fun. I just always have such a good time with it. Um, then the next day was uh was Saturday, and that was like. That you know, I had I had stacked two games on Saturday because I didn't want to deal with the dealer room on Saturday. I didn't want to deal with trying to get tickets and, and yet on, that was the day when I spent the most money. <laughs> yeah, yet somehow, somehow much money was spent that day. Um, I think that is no. I, I bought I bought the Fall of Delta Green on Sunday. Anyway, um, so I was in declining returns. Is what I'm trying to say. I was starting to get tired and I was starting to lose my voice. And um then uh uh I ran Exit Wound. I finally got around to running Exit Wound and it was okay. It wasn't great. The players didn't really I they didn't really know Cthulhu and so then they were kinda like not only were they learning Trail of Cthulhu, then they were learning this weird version of it and that you know, I think they kinda liked it, but they didn't super love it or anything they screwed up some of their interpretation of clues which sent them like zagging off in this weird direction with the investigation and then we kind of brought it together at this uh um at this end where i think they were kind of like well usually in a role-playing game you kill the people who are bad but everybody in the city is bad so we're just going to kill the two people who are the most bad which they did, and I'm not gonna lie, it was actually pretty satisfying. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was a satisfying conclusion. Um, then, like, I had two hours, and then I ran facts pertaining again. <laughs> I was gonna okay. ask, did you wish you had run facts pertaining instead of Cthulhu City, or I think at that a, point would you have just been like too much facts pertaining? It, it was probably gonna be too much facts pertaining, but. No, that's not even true. I really love running that module. It's kind of like how DCC guys get about like Sailor on Star of Sea. That's one I bought. Like I could just run it again and again and again. Like if somebody wanted to play it like this weekend, I'd just be like, oh yeah, come over. Let's do it. Because I really love running that module. Um, So, but the last one was facts pertaining. And, but it was like this really weird group. It was like people who all knew each other. And they, um, I don't know. I was tired. wasn't feeling great. <laughs> it was my weakest game. Mm. 
And uh, I think everybody's last game was probably their weakest. Mine was definitely, I was not on point. I was yeah, not firing on all yeah. cylinders. I, I had done this thing where I hadn't eaten very much that day. And by the time, like. Yeah, we didn't even eat lunch. No, did we? no. Yeah, I, we totally I drank, skipped like, lunch. I drank a 200 calorie shake for lunch. And yeah, so, I had breakfast at the hotel. I ate an apple. And I had a carnation instant breakfast for lunch. And that was all I ate. By the time. um you know, six o'clock hit and I still had two hours left for that game. I was just sitting there like, okay, <laughs> like, all right, whatever. Something's going to happen. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so that was not my, that was not my finest hour, but we still had a, a decent time with it. I, I don't think it was a bad game. It was not like a clusterfuck. It just wasn't like as good as the other versions of it of, that I had done. Um, yeah, so that, you know, that was what I ran. Cool. That's what I ran at Gen Con, but that, that was not all that we played. No, we got to do True Dungeon. Oh my god, we did True Dungeon with uh, none I, other than DM Zemo well, you himself. you did with DM Zemo himself. Oh, I did it by yeah. myself and a bunch of randos. I got yeah. eaten by a snake. Yeah, you got your ass fucking handed to you, didn't you? Yeah, I got my ass you, handed to You were to in me. like the beginner dungeon or some shit? And I, I was, was in the... I don't know what it was. It was into the Viper's Dude, you, pit. that's the beginner one. That's like the level one or whatever. All right. I don't know. All I know is I went into that with these these other people. No one, None of us had ever done it before. So none of us knew what was going on. And we could not like figure our way through anything to save our lives. Like it was... It was, uh, it was very weird. And then, yeah, we were going through this thing and it was all snake themed and... You know, and then there's like, oh. Was there any kind of like uh, Norse mythology shit in there? No. Was this all snakes? It was all snakes. A Medusa came out, and then it like, if you looked at the person who was playing the Medusa, then you had to make a save or get turned to stone. So as soon as I saw like the outline of the Medusa thing coming, I was just, I shut my eyes. So then I'm blundering around, and it's like, you have to do shuffleboard to like do hits. Yeah. So I'm trying to play shuffleboard, which I suck at anyway. I didn't like the skill component of it. I was like, can I just roll a die and have that? And they were like, no, you have to do no, shuffleboard. You must play shuffleboard. Right. Adam. And then I'm having to play shuffleboard blind, which like I can't. And I'm like, I don't uh, like I'm, I paid to be there. You know, Nemo like bought his tickets to be here <laughs> yeah. and I can't, I can't even see this room. I can't even look around. And they're like, oh, you know, and then at the end, they were, we defeated the Medusa or whatever. And they're like, oh, well, you know, if you just search the room when you first came in, there's a mirror. And I was like, well, I, di- I didn't know you could like search rooms when you first enter them. That was never explained to me that that was like <laughs> a thing that we could do because in the other room, they told us not to touch anything. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. So I was like, it was very I w- weird. I, I did a different true dungeon. I went with Zemo and his wife and their friends, and they were all great. Like right. everybody was great. And then there was like two guys who, like, there was like two people who were kind of like shoehorned in with us. And then there was like the GM guy who was like helping us run through, and he was like really into it. Uh, Zemo and his crew, like they got like a billion of those little chits. Yeah, they, they had like, a, a ton. I gave them, them mine. I'm like, here you go. Yeah, they just got like fucking chits for days, and they're all sitting there like getting their characters together and shit. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just kind of hoping I don't fuck this up for you guys because I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Yeah. And then we went through the the dungeon. It was kind of like a puzzle dungeon that was it was like Norse mythology themed. Okay. So it was like um. It was like, like I think, like out of like, there's like seven or eight rooms. I think like five of them were puzzles that were like logic puzzles. Okay. And uh, at that point, it's just kind of like there's people who are good at logic puzzles, people who aren't. And so I kind of was like, just kind of like let them do their thing. You know what I'm saying? It's like, all right, you guys seem like 
heavily invested in like figuring out what order these candles go in or whatever. Like, <clears throat> you go ahead. I'm just gonna chill and hang out in this like weird space where it's just like like I'm in a dungeon. Like you know, and that's cool. That was really cool. At the end, uh, the final fight was a big fucking dragon. Which was rad. Like oh, that's this big, cool. This big fucking robot dragon. I mean, yeah, it was, was a this, robot. like snake thing that rose out from behind like this wall. This. But you died. Big... You got killed by it. I got killed by it. Yeah. We killed the shit out of our dragon son. Like, it, like there was really no even like. I mean, the thing is, is like our group like systematically executed like everything. And I think this is because of the puzzle component. Like the puzzle component is so much less dangerous than the than the combat component. Anyway, now I feel like we're just talking about D and D. Yeah, but, but it, was, uh, it was fun. I had fun doing it. It just, you know, I got eaten by a snake. So and then on right, Sunday, well. you you uh, played. You actually played actual tabletop five e. I played tabletop five e. Uh, Zemo's Spelljammer campaign. It was your first time playing that, right? It's my first time playing five e. It was really fun. He, uh, they were gonna randomly assign characters. He let me look through and pick. So <laughs> what a mistake. Yeah. Oh, foolish. Then, foolish. Because I found one that's like tiefling warlock that worships the elder gods. And I just picked it up and I looked at it and I was like, I kind of feel like this was seated in here for me. Like, I kind of feel... <laughs> it seems likely. Yeah, so I was like, well, this is clearly what I'm going to play because I love warlocks and I love the elder gods. And so I decided to play a chaotic evil tiefling warlock who worships the elder gods. And I... uh I had a voice and I had like these affectations and I took the cues that were on the sheet and I kind of very quickly like threw together. All right, this is what I think this character is like and how they act. Um, so yeah, I had a lot of fun playing that. We, uh, we, um, I, <laughs> I almost killed the entire party. So that was pretty great. I, I, I told my little guy, my little spell jammer guy who was driving the ship around for us. Like if, if I get charmed again, crash the ship into the ground because uh freedom and autonomy are like the things that i value the most i, I know you're like all wondering like isn't spells jammer in space isn't that like ships in space and like yes the ship was in space but we ended was, up on this like was, halo planet like if you know inside of a cube right if you know anything about halo it was like a forerunner planet um. where i got sucked inside of it and it was like a, a exterior but an interior with stuff in it and so yeah there was there was this entity that would show up and just like gave off stuff that would charm you and then he also had a spell that would charm you so he just had all kinds charming he was very charming (laughs) and i couldn't counter spell it and so I uh, yeah I ended up charmed again. I at was which supposed point we to be crashed in that game, into the ground, but um I was like I, I had a bunch of shit that I had to take care of on the dealer room floor. With, yeah, you were doing business. Yeah, I was down there. I'm just like I'm gonna play D and feel I felt bad because it was cool hanging out with those guys, and when I finally did show up, I got to play for like the last hour or right. half an hour or something, and we had a good time. Um, but it was really, it was kind of cool to roll some dice and it was experience D and D again. Like, I mean, we've just gone so far down the rabbit hole of like checking out all these like weird games that are right. were, that like two, three years ago were so far outside of our wheelhouse. It's refreshing just to go with a classic, and he's well, got a I good mean, group, and there were a lot of fun to play with. So I enjoyed myself. That I, was part of it, but yeah. then also it was just like I was like, oh my god, this fucking character sheet's so big. There's like so much stuff on here. There's so many little notes and abbreviations. I was just like, oh man, and like 
I remember when that character sheet seemed like it had been pared down. When I was like, oh, look how light and sprightly this character sheet is compared to 3.5. And now, like, coming at it from, like, you know, a couple years of doing, like, you know, much more system light stuff, I was just like, this feels very complex. That was just my takeaway. Yeah, I could see that. Now, we're kind of running low on time. We actually have more games to discuss. Yeah, like some of the games that we were in personally. Some stuff at Game On Expo, but yeah, we can skip that. We're going to so. have to skip some of the like the Shadow Run that I was playing in yeah. and some of the Rogue Trader. We played Rogue Trader together. I got we to play Rogue play, Trader for the first time. We I played play Orcs. I won. Alex's Rogue Trader game. I won. Yeah, I, Adam won Beginner's his first game. Beginner's luck. Adam won his first game of... Beginner's Stormboy luck. I think that it might not be beginner's luck. I think maybe that will continue on. But so we need to talk kind of like a little bit about where, like what's going on with Full Metal RPG because like... Listen, yeah, there's stuff, some, been some big changes as yeah. a result of some stuff that's been happening. So let's get into that. Well, first thing I got to ask you is Game Club's Friday. You know what you're running? Are you going to run something? Are, are you running something? Yeah, I'll show up and I'll probably... Um, we'll just work on uh leveled characters for uh eyes of the stone thief and we'll play uh, like maybe a session or two of that before we look at um i want to run uh a different game after that so i i gotta talk to the group when i get there and we'll do at least the intro adventure to eyes of the stone thief called uh make your own luck Ooh, by yeah. Rider hammerhand wasn't that a uh free rpg day yeah yes that was and, a book for free rpg day well i'm sure you'll get a lot out of that because that guy's the shit um he is. he's brilliant i think i'm gonna maybe probably i'm gonna either run ltfp or maybe like tiny dungeon i don't know I, i've never run tiny dungeon and i'm kind of like well that could be fun but then it's like i kind of want to we're getting sort of weirdly we're we're getting closer to a year on this game club than I kind of thought we would ever be. And so I kind of wanted to maybe really quickly dip back into the original adventure that we had run for um, Lamentations and uh, kind of pick up and see what happens to those characters after they were killed by that elder toad god. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's uh, what? We got like four days or something? Yeah. I, I got <laughs> we're going to have to throw some stuff together. I got four days to think about it. Um... That means I'll be deciding what I to do at on Friday at five fifteen. That's right. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Just show up, throw your books down. All I, right, uh, I, this one. Yeah, I will probably I will put more thought into it than just that guy. I promise. All right, I can't promise I will. So, um, so the the big news coming out of Full Metal RPG is that we were at the very least somewhat successful in branching out in what we are trying to do while we were at Gen Con. And we had some we had some meetings with some people who are going to remain nameless. So if if you're from some companies that will remain nameless, some companies that will remain. This nameless. is the podcast version of vague booking. Yeah, sorry, sorry. It's just one of those things. Uh, it's not vampire. Any anybody who's sitting around thinking like, did they do it? Did they finally gonna finally write for White Wolf? Is tears coming down your eyes? No, it's not that. But we are able to begin that journey into really kind of actualizing ourselves as developers for the games that we love so much. And we were approached by um, a company that has a property that we, that Adam and I both love a great deal. And we've put a lot of thought into, and they asked us if we would like to contribute to that property a little bit. And we were both like, well, obviously there's, there's really, I mean, like, I mean, we'd be you, stupid not to. Yeah, do we'd this. be basically pretty stupid not to. Um, 
and uh, we're hoping to tell you about that soon. Uh, there's a little bit of paperwork that's got to get done, but we're already kind of we're already scribbling away on that one. Um, then uh, I had another meeting uh, that was about the possibility of doing a game. Um, Adam's getting looped in on that. Um, I think Heather is going to be looped in on that. Again, there's a bunch of paperwork that's got to get done, and we can't really talk about that until the paperwork gets done. But that's going to be like an entire game. And um, and it's one that I'm pretty excited about. I'm pretty excited about this one. This that 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 one. We're getting a little bit more creative leeway in a certain way. Not that not that we're getting not creative leeway on the first one, but we're getting tons on the second one. Right. And so um, and so I'm looking forward to being able to talk about that one too. I will say that both of these games are definitely in the full metal RPG wheelhouse and we think that the cult is going to be very excited to hear about them when we are when at, we can talk about when them. we're at a better position where we can you know just speak very freely about the work that we're doing now what does this mean for full metal RPG well obviously full metal RPG is still committed to bringing you what we consider to be the very best content that we're able to on a, a monthly basis. So we're still going to have a show on the 15th and the last every single month. We're still going to start crushing out bonus episodes as much as we can. And I'm really hoping to loop Adam in to be doing more bonus episodes to kind of like spread out the responsibility on that a little bit. Um, really? So, so on some level, the core, the core concept of what full RPG is, is going to remain now. The Patreon poses a problem. Yeah, there's going to have to be some alterations made. Unfortunately, so the as as you if, if you're a patron, you know already. Um, Adam and I have already been kind of like struggling. Mostly me. I'm just you know Adam has volunteered to kind of throw himself as this like I'm behind, but mostly mostly it's me. I'm really behind and. Um, and uh, so, so we're already, we were just already having trouble keeping up with with some of the the promises that we had made, and now with this new work schedule, it's just completely untenable. It's just not going to happen. So, we want to let the listeners know now before we start sending out emails that the Patreon is going to change, and what we're going to do is we're going to scale it down to somewhere somewhere that is manageable. Right. Now. But if you have pledged something and we've we're committed to deliver that to you. So you will get horrorism and survivalism through four. Yes. Um and the art and the consulting stuff. You will get all of that if you have pledged for it. We're we're going to deliver that. Absolutely. We are not gonna just be like, Oh whoops, sorry. Womp womp. Yeah. We are we're we're continuing to work on those projects and we are gonna fulfill them. We are gonna have to, though, probably within the next week, go on to um, Patreon, and we're gonna have to scale down the rewards. And that will probably mean that when we take those rewards down, it will like bump you out. It will be like, oh, your reward doesn't exist anymore. You're not a patron anymore. And we do hope that you'll kind of return 
that you'll see the like sort of these the new the new reward tiers will be very reasonably priced by comparison. They will be like it'll be like practically free to support the show. If you want to like throw in more because you're like no, I just don't even care. I want to like I want to support the show. Then we'll obviously we'd be very happy yeah, to. We'll be grateful to accept that as well but right it's the commitment part of it we we have other commitments now yeah that yeah we have signed ourselves on to so yeah so so you're gonna get your stuff but we are gonna be changing the patreon to make it like a feasible a feasible enterprise um and you know we just really want to appreciate everybody right now who's been with us on this journey and who's seen us to this place because the support and the encouragement for the work that we've done is what makes it possible for us to be here. And then I also want to say that that horrorism and survivalism are going to continue because as Adam and I are finding ourselves in this freelancing space, the story of the freelancing space is it's like boom and it's bust, you know, it's feast and it's famine. And so right now it seems as though Adam and I have a lot of opportunities um, you know, the, the I's have not yet been dotted and the T's have not yet been crossed. So who, yeah, who the fucking knows? The ink isn't even wet. We just have the pens out. Exactly. So. Exactly. So, um, when, when, uh, things are scaling down a little bit and we're kind of like in the hunt for new, new gigs, then we'll have time on our hands to produce the zines again. We won't change the Patreon. I think what we'll just do is Put we'll have them on the, the store. We'll have them available on the store. Right. And uh, that having been said, is there's there's just some new stuff that's going to be coming up on the store here pretty soon. So keep your eye there. Um, please keep listening. Anyway, I hope that this hasn't kind of put you off, all this fucking talk of money and Patreons and shit. That's really not why we're here. We love to write role-playing games. We love to play role-playing games. We love to interact with other role-players. Um, and we love doing this fucking podcast. You know, I don't really, you know, I... Like I, I don't know what my life would be like without this podcast. It's it remains the best thing that I've ever done and the best thing I've ever been part of. So, um, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for for being for being a part of it with us. Uh, and we commit to being here with you, you know, into the future. Um, do you have anything you want to say about that, Adam? Do you have anything to kind of round out? that fucking whatever that was we're you know we're uh getting a chance to realize some dreams that we've had and so <laughs> yeah it's you know um what is it ad astra per aspera whatever to the stars through difficulty or hardship or whatever it is um is that from like a disney movie or something i don't know it's some latin <laughs> thing that's not latin i'm sure someone will come on and correct my butchering of it but yeah, we're getting a chance to really do these things, and so we're we're having to kind of realign. You know, it's I would love to have infinite time. We still have day jobs. I still got kids. Oh boy. Um, and so it's one of those things where it's how do we budget the time? And you know, I I hate giving up on survivalism. Not giving up on it. I yeah. hate putting survivalism on the back burner and some other things on the back burner while I work on this. But I am going to work on this. I've also you know I've got a ton of other things. I I want to try to kickstart a game at some point. Um, that I've been doing some revising on lately. Um, Patrons in particular will be familiar with this game. This game. <laughs> and it's or, a, just a horrible game. But so many people, when I've shown them to it, are like, you need to put this on Kickstarter. Yeah. With it, yeah. So it's going to probably end up on Kickstarter. And so I'm going to try to use my, my time to focus on these things. And so um, 
yeah, we'll see how all that stuff pans out. And and uh, we're just looking forward to the next chapter with you guys. So um, thank you so much for everything that you've done. Please keep looking at our um, Patreon. Keep looking at FullMetalRP.com. Thank you for listening to the episodes. You can always find us on Instagram uh, at FullMetalRPG. I've been posting there a lot more lately, trying to get the ball rolling on that again, keeping that cool. Uh, we're on Facebook. We have a kind of sprightly uh presence on on facebook right now that's full metal rpg on on facebook and then if you need to get in touch with me uh for like business or anything if you have complaints about the show if you have praise for the show whatever it is uh full metal rpg official at gmail.com i'm easily reached there um if you haven't had a chance to give the show a five-star review on itunes we would love it if you would because lord knows you, you always need them you never don't so um Again, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's been kind of long, and we didn't even get in all the information that we wanted to. We blasted through it, and we could we had more to say. So, uh, you know, tune back here in another two weeks, and we'll have another one for you. See everybody soon. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Have a good night. Good night.